Don't give up. Anything that God is sending you through, there's a purpose for this thing. Five eight zero four Success Forces Part Thirteen: The Success Force of Persistence. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And our scripture for today comes from the Book of Genesis, chapter thirty-two, beginning with the twenty-second verse, the NIV version. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed at the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men And have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. I have been dealing with a series called Success Forces. There are forces in life that contribute and augment your success just as there are forces in life that contribute and augment to failure. The last success force sort of flows into this one. And today I deal with the success force of persistence. The success force of persistence. My son asked me yesterday as we were talking, he said, Daddy, he said, how do I stay on task? How do I stay on track? How do I make sure that I finish the things that I started, the goals that I have set for? What do I do? How do I make sure that I get this stuff done? I said, son, that's what I'm going to talk about in church tomorrow. I said, so the first thing, you be in church. See, I tell my kids, you do not have to come here to hear daddy speak. You don't have to do that. But what you do have to do, you have to go to church one day a week, every Sunday, somewhere. You have to go until you start paying your own bills. Once you start paying your own bills and get out under my roof, then you don't have to go to church. But as long as you're under my roof and I'm paying the bills, you got to go to church somewhere once a week. Sometimes they go to other churches, sometimes they come here. So I said, if you want to know the answer to that question, you need to come to church tomorrow. So today is that tomorrow, and hopefully my son is here, and he'll hear how to deal with his situation on the success force of persistence. 
Now, I'm going to talk about the four P's of persistence, purpose, plan, pinpointed, and partner. Former President Andrew Jackson's boyhood friends, they couldn't understand how he became a famous general and then president of the United States because they knew of other men who had had greater talent, but it never succeeded. And one of Jackson's friends said, you know, Jim Brown, who lived right down the hill from Jackson, was not only smarter, but he could throw Andy three times out of four in a wrestling match. But look where Andy is now, and Jim Brown ain't doing anything. Andy, president of the United States, and Jim Brown, who he beat Andy three out of four wrestling matches and was much more talented, not doing hardly anything. Then the interviewer asked me, he said, well, wait a minute. How did there happen to be a fourth time? Don't they usually have only three times out in a wrestling match? And his friend says, sure, they're supposed to, but Andy, he would never admit that he was beat. He would never say throwed. And once you said throwed, it meant you were beat. He would never say throwed. He said, then Jim Brown would get tired. And on that fourth wrestling match, Andrew Jackson would throw him and be the winner. The thing that counts is not how many times you are throwed, but whether you are willing to say throwed. And he would never say that he was defeated. It is the power of persistence. President Calvin Coolidge wrote, and you've seen this on many posters, because they've got a whole lot of posters with just this one big word, persistence, up, and they have Calvin Coolidge's quote underneath that says, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. You all know that. You don't know a whole lot of talented folk, but they just don't get anywhere. Even though they've got all this smarts, all this ability, they just don't ever get anywhere. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Now, first of all, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. There's only one who is omnipotent, and it's not persistent and determination. Even though persistence is a great success force, it's not the total success force. And there are some people who have been successful, and sometimes they may not be that persistent. There's a favor on them. So persistence is a major part, and there are some people we know that just struggle all through, and they're trying, and they're trying, and they never do break through. So that's why I'm dealing with success forces. Coolidge only thought it was just one. No, it's not just one force. Persistence alone is not omnipotent. It takes more than that. But I understand what Coolidge was talking about, but I'm dealing today with the four Ps, purpose, plan, pinpointed, and partner. First, you have to have a purpose. On the last message, I dealt with the success force of the casting out of unclean spirits. And that's a good example to use because many of you are struggling with the same thing. That message is number 5803. You can go to brothersoftheword.com. Just search on 5803 and you can hear that last message because I'm going to use that message to illustrate what I and many of you are facing with just in the arena of persistence. Because if you remember, I told you God had told me on last week to basically get cleaned up. And if I got my stuff cleaned up within seven days, there would come a greater anointing on me. And, and he said, anyone who heard that message, that same favor would be on them. So it's actually from 
seven days after you hear the message. So if you haven't heard message 5803, go listen to it. You got seven days to get your stuff cleaned up for that blessing and for that anointing to flow on you. So I really took that thing to heart and I began working on it. And I had three areas just at the house I needed to clean up. I needed to clean up my home office room. Then I needed to clean up the workout room and I needed to clean up the garage. And, and I was trying to work on all of them. And I was in the garage one day and I heard God speak. And he said, focus on the garage because that's your entry point. And where you enter your home is your most important part because everything changes when you walk in. And see, I don't come in the house through the front door. I come in through the garage. I open up the garage door and pull in. And to be honest about it, my garage was just full of stuff. Y'all got into places in your house and it's just full of stuff. I'm not even talking about your mind and your body. I'm just talking about your house. You got places in your house and it's just full of stuff. So I had a garage and we got a big house. We got a lot of garages. I got four garages in just my section. Three cars and a smaller garage that I parked my motorcycle in. I've sold my motorcycle, but I got other stuff in there where the motorcycle was. Even when you clear something out, other stuff will come in there where it was and it won't be long before that spot filled up with some stuff. So my garage just, it's got all this stuff in it and it's got a hole in the middle where the car pulls in. I mean, you just got to keep the hole in the middle where the car pulls in because you got to do that or else you can't get the car in. So it has stuff on the side, got stuff in the front, it's got stuff all on the shelves, but it's got this hole in the middle where the cars pull in. So I pull in my car, oh my, I got stuff on the side, there's stuff on this side, and it's a hole in the middle where the car, does that relate to anybody? Got that hole in the middle of your stuff? So here I was, I hear God speak, you focus on the garage because that's the entry point and how you enter a thing changes your spirit when you enter and I thought about it I said even with my company we spent more time focus and money on the outside than any other spot and there's a huge phenomenal fountain there we literally have people come by every single day just to stop at that fountain they're amazed by it it's in roadside of America's it's one of their attractions so people come from out of town just to sit at the fountain and God had let me you get your entry point straight so when you walk into the company, you have to walk by that fountain. It does something to your spirit. When you leave out, you have to walk by that fountain. It does something to your spirit. He said, that's your garage. When you pull in, if it's all junk, you got nothing but a hole in the middle, you're pulling in the mess. Some of y'all, when you go home, you're pulling in the mess. And that's got a whole lot of different meanings. You're pulling in the mess. Then when you leave, you're pulling out a mess. So you're pulling in the mess when you get there. You're pulling out a mess when you leave. It does something to your spirit. He said, get your entry point straight now. So that's the third part of that P. I had to get things pinpointed. Another word to really substitute on that that's actually a better word, but it doesn't begin with a P. It's a better word. It's focus. I had to get focused on something. So you start with one area. And I've been working on that garage. I mean, I'm tired right now. I stayed up, I went to bed on time, but I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I went in and started working on that garage at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was working on it. And, and the fourth P is partner. I had to get me somebody with a truck. Because I had so much stuff, I just couldn't even get it all out by myself. And as of right now, I'm still not finished with it. But I literally have been working around the clock on that garage. As of right now, with a pickup truck, you all know how big a pickup truck, it has been four Four loads of stuff removed from my garage and I'm still not finished. Four pickup trucks full of stuff. And some of it was good stuff. 
But some of it was just stuff that had been there all those years. It hadn't used it, had books, tapes, electronics, all kind of stuff. Four pickup trucks piled high as far as the pickup truck would hold. Four full loads of stuff had been removed, and I probably still got two more pickup truck loads. So, well, you had to be something if it's just a hole in the middle. It had to be something there. It's something there. So I've been focused on this thing, and even i gone to Home Depot because I was getting some material to fix some stuff in the garage and organize it, and I, and I was tired. My eyes were burning because I hadn't had much sleep. And I was walking in the home, and I said, Lord, you got me doing this. I got me burning. And God says, a lot of the things I'm going to tell you to do, you're going to burn with. See, just because God tells you to do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Look at the disciples. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. When he's instructed me about taking and getting my body on another level, I'm working out with Ringo, my muscles be burning. So a lot of times the stuff just burns. You're trying to get where you need to go. It's not always going to be comfortable. So I went and I left Home Depot and I had to go to the office that day. I wanted to work around the clock, but I had to go to the office. So when I went to the office, I walked in the door. And the lady who sits at the front desk began just hollering at me. She said, well, what kind of employee you, you got just hollering at you? Well, she began, she said, Mr. Bronner, she said, I had a dream about you last night. I dreamed about you last night. She was just all excited about this dream she'd had last night. So the minute she said that, I pulled out my phone and I pushed the record button on it because I've often learned if you got something like that, you need to record it. She asked, are you on the phone? I said, no, I'm not on the phone. She didn't realize I just pushed the record button. So I began to record her, and you see, in my garage, two of my sons share that garage with me. My oldest son, L, he got a lot of his stuff in there. He works on his car now. My son, Christian, his car is in the garage. So we share the garage together. So I had contacted them and said, look, God has told me I got to get this stuff cleaned up, and you all share this garage with me, so we're going to keep this stuff clean. So I'm letting you all know right now we're going to keep this stuff clean. So when I told them that, and I've been working with them. And see, sometimes you have to set down your rules. But you got to get straight first yourself. I can't tell my sons to get the stuff clean. I'm pulling it to a hole in the mill. I can't do that. I can't tell you. Look, so you need to keep your stuff clean. And they look over there and they see daddy pulling in a hole in the middle of mill. That just doesn't work. So you have to lead, especially in a family situation. My daddy used to say, a true leader always says, come on, not go on. So you have to lead in order to really get people to go where they want to go, you must set that example. So, and they saw Daddy out there working, cleaning up, just working around the clock. But I'm going to have that garage clean. But when I walked in, Marie began just shouting, Mr. Bronner, I had a dream about you last night. And when I went to Home Depot, I was looking for some things. And one of the things I wanted to do was change the lighting in the garage. I had fluorescent lights in it, but I had put my wife in her side of the garage. She has a two-car garage. I got a four-space garage. So I had changed out the lights in her, and I put these bright LEDs so hers was just like daylight. Mine was a little dingy. It wasn't dingy before I put her lights in. See, that's a lot of our stuff is relative. My lights were fine until I put her lights in. Once I put her lights in, I'd walk from her side to my side. Mine side be dull. My wife has four lights, so I ordered six. Anyway, so I was putting me some lights in to get it all brightened up. So when Marie began telling me this dream, now the company had just come from Las Vegas the week prior. I take my company on a trip, and we go somewhere different every year. So this is the first time we've gone to Vegas. So I want you to listen to her dream exactly as she spoke it. She didn't know I was recording it, but just listen to her dream. A.B., go ahead. So I dreamed uh, at the casino mm -hmm. bar, and I had got um, lost. Okay. And so I said, well, let me take the, I had got away from the 
So I said, well, let me take um, the bus and make the bus to take me to the hotel. Well, the bus took me to a bus terminal. And I saw you, Christian, and Elle. And so as soon as I saw you, the sky lit up. Because it was dark without, you know, and as soon as I saw you, it got bright as day. And the bus attendant got off the bus and he told me, he said, if you want to reach your destination, follow him. And he pointed at you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's that's interesting. I'm going to, uh, I've got a meeting with them at 6 o'clock today with our family study. And I had told, right now I'm on a, from, from the message from Sunday, what God has spoken about, getting things clean within the next seven days. So it has to be clean by Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I'm working in my garage, I got all this stuff to get it cleaned up. And I had emailed Christian and Elle, wow. and I said, you two share the garage with me. Mm-hmm. So the three of us got to be responsible and see the garage is, is the bus terminal for the house. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are the those are the two I talked with about. So, wow. so And God has said, once you get this stuff cleaned up, it's going to come another level of anointing. And he told me to work on the garage first because that's the, that's the entry point to the house. I don't come in through my front door. I come in through the garage. Mm-hmm. And then I understood that's where Sentry is. See, our entry point is by this fountain. Mm-hmm. And we spend more time, more money working on that fountain because that's where we come in. Right. And when you come in and leave, it, it puts a different spirit in you when it's right coming in and leave. Yeah. So your dream, I'm going to tell them about that uh-huh. dream okay. because it's, it's definitely significant that it was Christian and L there. And it was in a transportation terminal, which is the garage. Yep. For us. Wow. Yep. So that was that was interesting. Yeah, that was. Thank you. So that was her dream, and I didn't realize it until afterwards. And I told L, my oldest son, I said, "Did you listen to the dream?" He said, "No." So I played it for him, and then I heard the part about the bright lights. I said, "She even dreamed about the lights." That goes back to purpose. When you can see God's purpose in your world, it helps you to be persistent. And oftentimes, God will send you signs to say, my son, you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. He'll send you a sign through somebody totally unconnected who you know didn't know a thing about what you're going through. My eyes were burning when I walked in with the dream. But sometimes God will send you a word, and that word refreshes you. And even though you got this load on your back, even though you've got all this stuff that you're dealing with, God will send you something. And that thing revives and energizes you. And see, I pulled away from most of my work at the offices. I'm going to focus on what God has told me because he says there's anointing. This and I got a major project I'm working on. I need that increased level of anointing to do this project right. So you need to do what God tells you to do first. And when you put priority in some things, so you need, first of all, to understand the purpose. A lot of people, they can't be persistent because they don't know the purpose for the thing. If you're just doing something and you're just doing it because somebody else doing it or you really don't have want to do it. I had a family study. We have a family study usually every week and sometimes the kids don't want to come. They don't understand the purpose. But I was like that with our daddy. We didn't want to go a lot. Is that not right? He wanted to take us. We didn't want to go. We didn't understand purpose. Now we can see purpose. As you become more mature, as you experience things more, you will begin to understand this is why. I'm going through this. This is why wisdom has me. This is why I must go through this. It makes a difference when you can understand purpose. Then you got to have a plan. See, I got a plan. So I got a plan of all the three areas of the home that I need to get straightened out, that I'm over. So I'm going to have that garage where it's like a showpiece. I really am. See, I'm going from shame to showpiece. 
Because before, when I would come home and push the button and let the garage, I would look, and sometimes if it was a neighbor, I'd say, wow, I'm so embarrassing to see all this mess in this garage. You pull on right into the hole in the middle. <laughs> and see, some of you right now, you don't even want folk to see your stuff. You don't even want folk to see. Ooh, I'm so neat looking around. I don't want folk to know I've got this stuff in the closet. You don't even want folk to know what's in your closet. So you need to move from shame to showpiece. And it's not for the other folks. See, God is not having me clean up this stuff for other folk. This is for me. So it makes a difference when you enter into a place that needs to be right. It's for you. It's not for other folk. It's for you. So when that door goes up and I'm going to see something, say, wow, I'm driving. Oh, this is so nice. I'm going to drive in and it changes vibration. Then I can go through the door and I walk through my baby. I'm going to be able to kiss her even sweeter because now I got a different spirit about it. It makes a difference how you enter a place changes when you understand purpose, when you have a plan, when you can stay pinpointed or focused on what you need to do. A lot of people cannot be successful because they get off track so easy. They start on one thing, next thing they're on another thing, and they haven't finished or become efficient or proficient or done it well in any one thing. They own all these different things. So there is a focus or a pinpointing that makes a difference and then the partner. I had to have somebody with a truck. And oftentimes you need to partner. Maybe I could have done it with just my stuff, but I've been loading up where it was four full pickup truck loads would have been about 40 car loads. So it's not that I couldn't have done it with the stuff hanging all out the trunk, but I needed a partner. I needed somebody with a pickup truck. So sometimes you can't even straighten up all your stuff by yourself. You need some help. And you need to sometimes recognize when you need some help. Sometimes we're too proud to just ask for some help. You need some help. So when you need some help, you just need some help. So I just got me some help with my stuff to get it done. And we have to be so careful about even once we are persistent. There's a persistence that's required once we get stuff in order. And my wife came over. I had two big tarps laid out. One tarp was what was called the resellable stuff. This was stuff that the person with the pickup truck was going to take it to the consignment store, put it on eBay, because a lot of it was good stuff. It's several thousand dollars of just resellable stuff. Then this other tarp was stuff to be thrown away. So my wife walked in, and, and she, yes, good stuff. I said, yes, good stuff. I said, but you got to ask yourself the question, yes, we might use it, but are we going to use it? And if it's been in this garage for this long, chances are we not going to use this stuff. And she would walk and say, what about that? I said, no, that's good. So I came back and I walked through her garage and she had pulled off from my resellable tarp. I had these stop signs that I had in the garage where you would pull the car up to the stop sign and you would pull it and it let you know where to stop the car. But I wasn't using those anymore. There's a whole lot of stuff. You just not, y'all got a lot of stuff. You're just not using it anymore. You just got it. So I had these stop signs. So I noticed on my wife's side, my lump of sugar had pulled two of the stop signs over there. I want to just show you, these are the stop signs that my lump of sugar had just pulled over to her side of the garage. And when I came out this morning, I actually went and got them stop signs and pulled them back over and put them on the reselling top. But I want you to see this stuff and see some of this stuff. Y'all just need to stop. You just got to stop. And it's an example of how we want to put the old stuff back. There's something about when it's clean and we're used to, we just want to get this old stuff and, and bring it back. And I understand my wife, she's very conservative. She doesn't like to throw anything away. If it costs money, she don't want to waste it. So I fully understand that stuff. But see, 
If you haven't used something in six months, chances are you're not going to use it ever again. You need to get that stuff out of your world, get your stuff cleaned up, straightened up, because it just junks up everything. So I've gone through this experience dealing with what God had dealt with me about that cleaning up. And I even had today, I was going to use a physical illustration from something my father used to tell us all of the time. He said, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. And that was my father's statement about persistence. Don't give up. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. Well, one of the things I got at Home Depot was a rope. So I had this big, thick, pretty brown hemp rope. I had seven feet of rope. I couldn't find the rope this morning. I was later today than I'd been in a long time. I couldn't find the rope. I said, what happened to the rope? So the rope had disappeared. And then I could almost hear God speaking. Some people, when they get down, when they've gone through so much, when they get beat, they can't even find the rope. There's no even rope to hang on to and tie a knot in. So you have to sometimes, when you've gotten to the end, when it looks like everything has gone to pot and you're suffering and you're going through all this kind of stuff, you have to pull on something that you cannot see. You have to hang on to something that's not physically tangible. You don't know where your rope went. There is nothing to tie not in. What happens when you get evicted and you're out on the street and there is no rope? There is no one to help you. There is no one to pull you up. See, that was one of the things about when we looked at Jacob when he was wrestling with that angel. It says he had sent his two wives, his two maidservants, and all he possessed to the other side. And it said he was alone, which meant he was alone without people, and he was alone without possessions. And he was, had to, all his stuff, what happened when all your stuff gone? When all your stuff on the other side? When you don't have a rope. And I don't know where, I just, it was a big rope. I had laid the rope out there to make sure I didn't miss it. I said, like, it looked like the angel just took my rope. Sometimes God will just take your rope. Because when you have physical stuff, you tend to rely on the physical stuff. So he'll say, I'll take your physical stuff where there is nothing for you to rely on but me. There'll be nothing that you can see. And you have to hold on to Jesus because there's nothing else you can see. And see, we want things that I never will forget the story see Elijah told about his daughter. And it is so much like us. And she was going upstairs and it was late at night. And the daughter said, Dad, I'm scared to go. I'm scared. And see, Elijah told his daughter, going upstairs, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And she came in and said, Dad, I need somebody I can see. <laughs> so I understand. I understand. You need a rope that you can see to hold on to. What happens when there's no one you can see? And yet you have to hold on to this thing. And you have to be persistent. And there is no one encouraging you. Matter of fact, everybody may be discouraging you. What happens when you are alone and there is nothing physical for you to hold on to? See, that's where true persistence comes in. There's something on the inside of you that has said, look, I know the purpose for this thing. I've made a plan. I'm focused and pinpointed on it. And I may not have a material partner, but I got a partner in Christ. And you have to know and you have to believe this thing with every fiber of your being. 
And when you are at that state, you will succeed. But you got to know your purpose is a divine purpose. So if God has given you something, there's hardly anything that you go through in the Bible where God has given people great mission. There wasn't a point where they were at a low persecuted point where they could almost see no rope. The oldest book of the Bible, the first book written of the Bible, Job. Job was at a point when all this stuff was on the other side. And he was there with nothing. And yet he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's persistence. And when God saw that he could trust him with taking all of his stuff, where he had no rope, his body was torn up. His wife was telling him to curse God and die. All of his money was gone. All of his friends were condemning him. He had nothing. But he said, naked I came into the world and naked I'm going out. If God sees fit to do this, then so be it. That's the kind of persistent faith that you need in this life. And when you have that kind of faith, God can take you into miracle land. He can take you into a place because he knows he can trust you because your trust is not dependent on the rope. It's dependent on the person who made the rope. And there's a big difference. So the success force of persistence, I tell you, and some of you right now, you're struggling with some things. Don't give up. Your eyes are burning because you've been up. Some of you have been burning because you've been up. Some because you've been crying. Your eyes are burning. Don't give up. Anything that God is sending you through, there's a purpose for this thing. And when you can realize and understand God's purpose, and sometimes you don't see the purpose in the middle of the thing. Jacob couldn't understand why he was there wrestling with the man. We now understand it was an angel, but the Bible said it was a man because sometimes it looked like a man because you cannot see the divine. That looked like a man. That looked like a mess. That don't look like a miracle. That's like a mess. So you cannot see when you are wrestling all night long. Now, I've taken judo classes, and I've done some wrestling, and a normal wrestling match is three minutes. Can you imagine wrestling all night long? See, he wrestled all through the night. Can you imagine wrestling with an angel all night long? Not three minutes. All night long. Some of y'all been wrestling all night long, all your lives, and you've been struggling and you've been going through this thing and it's like it's been so long and so much trial and tribulation. Hang on in there. Don't give up. Sometimes you must wrestle all night long and then you got to wrestle a whole lot longer than other folk. And you don't understand the why or the reason, but Jacob wrestled and he was persistent and he wouldn't let that angel go. He wrestled with him all night long. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And sometimes when you have a dream and you have something that you truly know is divinely destined for you, you have to say, I am not letting you go until this thing comes to pass. I am not giving up on this. No matter what it takes, I am sticking with this to the very end. And when you got tenacity like that, I remember the movie Rocky, when he was getting ready to fight this big old Russian. One of my classic lines out of all of the movies, and his wife was at the top of the stairs. He's about to go out. Baby, please don't go fight that man. Don't go fight that man. Because he had killed Apollo Creed. Don't fight that man. If you go fight that man, he could kill you. And I remember Rocky, he stood and looked up. He said, yes, he could kill me. He said, but in order for him to kill me, he's got to get in the ring with me. And to get in the ring with me, he's got to be willing to die himself. See, that's the kind of fight you need. 
So when you got something that you really know God has placed on you to do, you got to say, look, you're going to have to kill me to stop me. When you have that kind of persistence, when you can wrestle with an angel, but that's why the patriarchal line, these were men who did not give up no matter what the odds were against them. He wrestled all night long. So even if you have to work, even if you have to clean, even if you have to take care of all night long or all year long or all decade long, you keep on going and you say, I am not letting you go until you bless me. When you got that kind of faith, and see, that's the kind of faith you know. I don't need no faith to just crumble the minute the first little load get on. That ain't no faith. That's folly. And that's just talking it. See, faith is only tested when there's some pressure on you. You can't test no faith and everything just going smooth. No, you got to have stuff just bust loose. And when stuff busts loose and still you maintain your peace, you maintain your joy, you maintain your faith in Christ, even in the midst of all of that, then you become a champion. And that is the success force of persistence that you Tie a knot in the end of the rope and hang on even when there is no visible rope. And see, some of you did like I did with that rope. You made your plans. I went out and got the rope. I measured the rope. First, I selected the right kind of rope. I had a pretty rope for y'all. I selected a nice, thick, pretty. I said, this is going to make a good illustration here. I learned more about rope cutting because they didn't cut it with a knife. They got a burner in the store and they burned the rope. I said, wow, that's interesting. I had the rope burnt. So I had the rope burnt. I paid for the rope. I packaged the rope. I had all. See, some of y'all done made all these plans. You said, I'm going to have my life this way. I'm going to be making this amount of money. I'm going to be right here. Yeah, I'm going to have my two kids and a white picket fence and my dog and my station wagon. Or my SUV. You said, you done made all these plans. So this is the way I'm going to have my life at this point. And he just pulled your rope. To, you don't even have the stuff. And I'm sitting there looking around. I said, well, I know I put this rope here. I know I went to the store and got that rope. I paid for this rope. I had the perfect rope. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You had the perfect rope. But it's gone. And you can't figure out what happened. See, sometimes you wake up and you just stop in. You know, what happened? You can't figure out what happened. But yet... You have got to be able to hold on, to hang on, to be persistent, to get what God has for you to get done in spite of it all. God needs warriors, not whiners. And to be in the army of the Lord, you got to be able to undergo, to endure, and to persevere to the end. You couldn't be a disciple of Christ and you couldn't handle some stuff. All kind of stuff happened to you. But you had to have faith. And you had to be able to exercise that faith even in the midst of no visible rope. The success force of persistence. Hang on. Don't give up. When God is with you, he will pull you through, even though it may take longer than you want. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the word. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part 13 of the series titled Success Forces, subtitled The Success Force of Persistence by Nathaniel Bronner.
This message is number 5804. That's 5804. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5804 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word